Jason Dumas has chunked the deuce to pray of you in favor of Southern and Mo Carter from Fox 54 is joining to talk about the post-aquil glass Alabama A&M Bulldogs. Oh, yeah. It's Locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On HBCU Podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On Podcast Network team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor. Thank you for going on this journey with me, making Locked On HBCU your first listen of the day every single day. And when the mic cuts off, you know you can on Twitter at South Exclusives. I'm always willing to talk, you know, DM me, tweet me, however you want to get down. I appreciate it all. But I want to talk about Jason Dumas and making a move that I think is going to shake some things up for the fans and the players between Southern and Prairie View. That's right. Jason Dumas, one of the best players on that Prairie View AM defense, has transferred to Southern. Now, when he puts a name in a transfer portal, everybody wants to know where is he going? Where is he going? Where is he going? And he chooses Southern. And there is a clear link between Prairie View and Southern, and that is Coach Eric Dooley, who has left Prairie View, but was the coach last year in favor of Southern. And it seems as if Dumas is making that same path. And I thought you would see more of this. This isn't surprising to me because when you have somebody who's not just leaving within the conference, but also leaving within the division, so he didn't just go – from the SWAC West and like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go join somebody on the East. No, Dooley left the West and stayed in the West. You know, he's still right there with Southern. I'm not surprised that players are gonna be like, well, I just want to just go over there with him. I know, I, and I'm sure that Southern would accept a lot of the guys who were at Prairie View. But other than Reggie King, who Reggie King really didn't play much as a, as a true freshman, so he might have grew into a bigger role, but. Honestly, you didn't play him in his first year, so Prairie really isn't missing much with him. They don't know what they had in him or what they didn't have in him. But other than Reggie King, this was the first player to go from PV to Southern. And man, what a splash that it is. Because the, the hole that is left on the interior of the defensive line for PV is massive. And I just don't, I don't mean this just in size. Like literally and figuratively, it will be a big hole to close. And let's look at the player who, Dumas was let's not even start off who he is right now Dumas has been impactful since the jump since he came out there let's talk about his his stats right so you're looking at a guy who as a freshman had nine tackles for a loss four sacks that nine tackles for a loss was high that tackle those uh four sacks fifth so he was top five in those stats as a freshman but okay if you want to say modest numbers whatever I still think that was impressive Coming in his second year, and he's tied for first in tackles for a loss. You're looking at him with 12 tackles for a loss and then five and a half sacks. Those five and a half sacks were only half a sack beyond, behind the first place guy. And here at Locked on HBCU, I love doing this, this thing where I'm like, okay, I'm going to set it up. I'm going I'm to set the whole story. I'm going to get the, the exposition in. I'm going to tell you who he was as a freshman, as a sophomore. But drop that. Take all of that aside and let's just look at who he is today because how he got in here, that, that's that's important when trying to get context. 
But if you're just talking about who is Prairie View missing, I'm talking about the 2021 version of Jason Dumas. That's a monster. This guy had 17 and a half tackles for a loss. He had eight and a half sacks. Now, you have 17 and a half tackles for a loss, eight sacks. That's an impressive season. But let's compare it to the rest of his of his uh, teammates. That tackles for a loss. He was the leader by nine tackles for a loss. He was the leader in sacks by four. This is three, four games worth of stats for most players. You know, let's let's just say three if you're getting two sacks in a game. And you got two sacks the next two combined, right? Okay, you got the four. But tackles for a loss, many people aren't getting three tackles for a loss for a game, per game. This is this is the gap in between what Dumas was putting up and what other guys were putting up. And this isn't in a way of passing yards or rushing yards or receiving yards. No, this is defensive stats where basically everybody has a very similar opportunity. Not the same because it's schematics and you can draw stuff up for individuals, yes. But for the most part, it's equal opportunity right now. Anybody can get it, and Dumas was the one who was getting it. This is the type of player that you're missing, but this is the type of player that Southern is getting. We're not going to take the negative tone of it. We're going to talk about the positive nature that the Southern Jaguars, they're getting a beast in the middle of their defensive line in Jason Dumas. There's many people who will tell you this is the best defensive lineman in the SWAC, and he just transferred from one SWAC team to another. See, when Dumas is lined up in that purple and gold, right, a lot of people are on the preview side are happy because it's like, oh man, you know what? We got we got somebody that you got to deal with. You know you're gonna have to deal with Dumas every time he lines up. But now, for the first time in Dumas's collegiate career, Prairie View is gonna have to be one of those teams that knows they gotta buckle up that chin strap and they gotta be ready for this monster when he shoots the gap. And the reason I think that this might impact things off the field, because we just talked about on the field, but off the field, you have Dooley, a guy who I think I've heard some Prairie View fans say they were kind of upset because you knew where you always wanted to be the whole time. And some are happy, like, okay, whatever, you where you want to be. But some are like, man, kind of spurned in a sense. And now you have Dumas, who is following his coach. Clearly, they had a good relationship, right? Because he knows that he's going to set him up in the right direction or in the right situation to be able to achieve the same stats, if not better, that he had last year. It's not going to be that much of a learning curve as if he was, you know, transferring to some other school. But now you have that guy in, in Dumas. You have the coach who you like, man, you never really wanted to be here in the first place. We just had you here as a placeholder, or you had us, um, you had Prairie View as a placeholder for eventually getting to Southern. It feels like some some reason to stir up some bad blood. And I'm excited for this game. I truly am because this game is going to be passionate. It's going to be in Prairie View. Dooley is going to be returning to where he was the coach. Dumas is going to be returning to where he became one of the better players in HBCU football. I'm excited for what this can be. And another thing that I'm excited for is when we get Mo Carter on here. Because I want to know, after Aquil Glass is leaving, what is Alabama A&M going to even look like? As we keep on rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU, thank you for making us your first listen of the day every day. I do appreciate that. We have Mo Carter on, and he's going to be talking about what should we be looking for? What is the future going to look like for Alabama A&M? Because you're losing a quarterback who has been one of the better quarterbacks for the past two years in all of HBCU ball. Yeah, you got a pretty big question mark on your team. So the question that everybody is wondering after having a quarterback 
the caliber of Aquil Glass, how do the Alabama A&M Bulldogs move forward without him? Well, man, here's the thing. Coach Connell Mander basically has told us the same I mean, the same answer to that question multiple times. It's just like, a, hey, it's a next man up mentality. They've got an interesting quarterback room. Some guys with experience, some guys with just a splash. And one thing I noticed during the uh, spring season is that it was a complete open competition. I mean, you literally saw like Quincy Casey running with the ones team, like, you know, one day and then he's running with the threes the next day and whatnot. Um, you see in another quarterback kind of doing the same thing. And even in the spring game, yeah, they split everybody up or whatever, but then you kind of also notice that they started trending in the matter of, okay, how well would this quarterback do with, uh, with this squad? Or how well would this quarterback uh, do with this? Xavier Lankford's another one of those guys that, you know, figures to kind of be in the mix. So honestly, I think AM's QB competition is literally going to go all the way down probably to maybe that second, third week in fall camp before they actually name a starting quarterback um, for their upcoming game, well, opening game against UAB, kind of keep, you know, the UAB coaching staff on their toes as well as, you know, they try to prepare for a team that they don't even know who's going to be throwing the rock. And in ways, not only with the perceived deception versus the opponent, but also the fact that it seems to be really close is a good sign because any quarterback can go in there and get the job done. From what you're hearing, is there any quarterback in particular that is maybe inching away the rest? Um, I would probably say Quincy Casey, the Jackson State transfer, and it's primarily because he has that experience already on the field. But I also will not count out the Williams kid who was, um, you know, starting quarterback for the University of Miami for like a year and a half until they had all those different coaching changes and whatnot. He didn't get a chance to really showcase a lot in spring because he get he did get nicked up um, towards the middle of spring practice. So I think they kind of kept him kind of limited those last couple of weeks uh, just in general. So I'll just look at it like this. You're not going to bring in a guy who, who was a starting quarterback at a P5 school to just sit on the bench as well. So I think he's definitely going to be in the fold. And then, like I mentioned, Xavier Langford as well. He basically has been uh, a Quill Glasses backup, what, the last, what, you know, year, maybe two years or whatnot. Yeah. So he, you know, he's been there before, obviously, because AM has been in so many shootouts with glass at the helm. He didn't really get a, a lot of opportunities to showcase stuff on this field. But I did see a lot of growth with him with that. So honestly, man, this competition is as open as anything. Now, one thing I can tell you, though, is that whoever the starting quarterback is, they will still have a slew of weapons offensively to work with. Um, You know, one of the quarterback's best friends, no matter what team Team you're on is a healthy running back Gary Quarles the SWAC's leading rusher this past year he you know he eclipsed over a thousand yards on the ground in just 10 games he's back you know and he is a you know he's a big time playmaker especially when you can get him into space he's not the biggest guy on the field but you know lots of times guy is getting three four yards to pop because you're not even seeing him once he gets past the line because he's just that small but yet he's uh that quick and then you have a guy like a dude for Ty Ibrahim, you know, a, an FCS All-American uh, over his first couple of seasons, uh, whether it was, um, you know, a regular All-American or a freshman All-American, he's back, you know, at the wideout position. You've got another guy in Brian Jenkins Jr. who will be fully healthy this upcoming year, probably in the slots. And then there's, there's like a, 
there's a bunch of other guys that Coach Maynard wanted to get on the field in the past year and a half. He just hadn't got a chance just because you have to keep going that flow. So weapons-wise, they still do have a lot of good things going for them offensively. I think it's just going to be a matter of how quickly can the offensive unit with whoever their starting quarterback is, how quickly can they gel once that quarterback is named and how quickly can they find success uh, early on, especially with some very tough tasks out, out the gate. Important that you mention all of the weapons that whoever the quarterback is going to be will have at his disposal because replacing a quarterback of glasses, you know, caliber is more than just putting another quarterback there. It's also going to be the weapons, the offensive line, and everything. But I want to mention Coral specifically. Do you think that Alabama AM maybe switches over to a more run-heavy system since they have a sure thing at running back and maybe a question mark at quarterback? There's a possibility, um, you know, the popularity now when it comes to college football is the read option. And one thing you can say with the guys who were in competition this past spring at Alabama A&M to be the guy that replaces a quill glass is that all three of those guys are quite mobile. You know, can they run the option? Can they run the read? Can they run good play actions? Those are questions that definitely had to be answered throughout the spring um, as far as those quarterbacks proving themselves to the coaching staff with Coach Manor, Coach Jason Mai, and also Coach uh, Taylor, um, you know, calling and running things. So I would not be surprised that they try to go more balanced. I don't think they'll go more run heavy, but I do can I can see it to be a little bit more balanced because Coach Manor has told us in the past that he would like to have more of a balanced attack. It's just Hey, when he's got a six foot five quarterback that can sling it and throw it for over 300 yards every game, you know, it's kind of hard to, you know, say, OK, let's kind of run the ball a little bit more unless we're trying to, you know, run some clock out near the end of the game where they were able to do that in certain instances. But, yeah, I will go ahead and say they probably want to have more balance compared to more run heavy but then again here's another thing too man uh it also will depend on the schemes that different teams throw at them each and every week as well i had to ask that question and i'm glad that he was able to answer it and give us some more insight into the situation that we're not always privy to now going forward i am going to ask about the defensive side of the ball because it's not just the quill glass but before we get to that i want to tell you about betonline.net because betonline.net is the best place for all of your wagering and actually before i came on here i ran downstairs and i told my pops i said look you understand you got to look at this odd i found a bet that i think i might even want to get in on and that's the over under for all of my saints fans it's eight and a half nine games we went in nine Go check out Ross on Locked on Saints. He'll take games at least. I said, oh, yeah, I might have to get in on that one right there. But if you don't want to wait, if you want to play, if you want to bet on some football, but you don't want to wait until the, the NFL season in the fall, get down with the USFL. They're there as well. If maybe football just isn't your thing and you want to go to basketball, the NBA playoffs are alive and kicking. Or, you know, if you want to do the futures, get your own team, whether it's the Saints, whether it's the, the Cowboys, the, the uh, I ain't gonna say nobody I don't like. I don't know why I said the Cowboys, but any other team, I only like the Saints, man. I don't like any of y'all other ones. Regardless of who your team is, go online and put some money down because they are the fastest and easiest. Way to wage on all of your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. <laughs>
As we're wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I want to talk about Dwayne Taylor's possible future as a head coach. And then also, what's up with this defense? Because the defense held back Alabama A&M last year, and they cannot afford to do the same this year. Now, I want to ask you about this guy, Dwayne Taylor. Before we get into the defense, I want to ask you about Dwayne Taylor. He's a guy who has been praised for his offensive play calling, even, you know, had, was a coach at the NFL PA Bowl. Do you see head coaching in this future? And if you do, is it an immediate future or is it maybe in the distant future for him? I could see it being in the immediate future. One thing I remember when Coach Connell Manor took over this program a few years ago, one of the main things he said in his press conference, the first press conference, was that majority of his assistant coaches had either been a head coach somewhere or had been a coordinator somewhere. And Coach Taylor was one of those guys that had fit that mold in a sense. So it's interesting to kind of see how – they have continued to progress. I'll be honest with you. I'm actually kind of surprised Coach Taylor has not left for another job. But then again, Coach Maynard has done a really good job keeping this core group of assistants together because majority of them have all worked together in one way, shape, or form. Some have even coached together. I'm not coached. Uh, coached against each other as well when you kind of look at the totality of things. But, no, I really do think that, you know, if Coach Taylor ever wanted to go and seek another job, more so likely a – head coaching job, I definitely think Coach uh, Maynard would give him his graces on that because, of course, he wants to not only develop talent with his players, but develop talent also with his coaching staff as well and knowing to let you know let the world know that, hey, not only we have good talent on the field, we got good talent in the press box and also on the sidelines, coaching these young men up to be the next great people in the world, both on and off the field. So, yeah, you know, I think if Coach Taylor's name comes up um, with any particular job in the future, that's a right fit as well, then I definitely do think he will take it. If not, I mean, I'm pretty sure he's got a home on the hill here in Huntsville for as long as he wants, especially under the Coach Maynard era. Now, it's all good when we're talking about the offense, talking about glass, talking about the weapons, talking about Taylor. Now, when we get to the defense, it's a little bit different. Things were not good on the defense last year. What steps have they put in place to be able to, you know, patch up some of those holes so that you can have more success in the 2022 season? Yeah, you know, defense, it, it, it wasn't great. We'll just go ahead and just say it. I did like Coach Granville Eastman as an overall person. I mean, probably one of the nicest men you'll ever meet. I mean, and he was hard-nosed um, when it comes to, you know, getting things done with his uh, with his guys on the defensive side of the ball. However, things just did not work out. I, I continue to wonder, had that defense been even a tad bit better, how much better could things have been for Alabama A&M during the 2019 or 2021 20, um, fall season as well? But Coach Manor, he had to find a way to make some changes, and he decided he had to make a wholesale change. So he went ahead and he decided to get rid of Coach Eastman as a defensive coordinator, and, he ended up, and also Coach Chris Schelling, who was the uh, DB coach. And he decided to uh, promote Connors Bowler, who was coaching the D-line to be his defensive coordinator. And once again, Coach Maynard, utilizing guys that he has worked with in the past and found success. When Coach Maynard was at Winston-Salem State, the year that he led them to the Division II National Championship game, Kynes Bowler was his defensive coordinator. And I think Winston-Salem State, I think, was like top 10 in just about every defensive uh, stat category 
in the nation, not just in the CIAA, but like in the nation. So they were getting things done on that side of the ball under bowl where and even the next year, you know, they made. Uh, a decent run in the D2 playoffs as well. And then once Coach Manor left for Hampton, Bowler was the head coach at Winston-Salem State. He still has success as a head coach while also kind of doing dual roles on the defensive side of the ball or whatever. So, you know, he did some good things up there in Rams country. So now he comes here to Alabama A&M hoping to replicate that success. Now, look, I'm going to go ahead and just be honest with you. I'm going to yeah. have to go ahead and go with the wait and see process with this because yes i know a coach has a lot of great grades and whatnot but here's why i have to go with the wait and see process on defense primarily this you have a new offensive coordinator who's putting in a new scheme plus alabama a&m if i'm not mistaken it was 39 guys who they signed uh for national signing day and i think like 30 of them were on campus for the spring and like 75 percent of those 30 some guys were defensive players so you're talking about a new coach new scheme and lots of new players so that's a lot of things to kind of all come in together um not so much in a short period of time but they've got a decent an amount of time to get some things together but honestly you're going to have to really see how they kind of hold up in those first couple of games before we can really really get a gist of how good can this defense be now granted too you know they got the likes of UAB and they've got the likes of Troy the first couple of weeks out the gate so you know, you just kind of just don't know how those things are going to really, really play out. But and then they got Austin P at home as well before they jump in the swag play with Florida A&M. So um, I hope they can answer a lot of questions on the defensive side of the ball. But, man, yeah, they definitely got to take a wait and see approach and probably got to take it as a game by game approach as well to see what kind of success you're going to have on that side of the ball. Now, Mo, you, you killing me, okay? I, I thought you was going to come in here. You was going to tell me they got this and this and this, and it's going to be okay, Darian. But you know what? You're give, you giving, giving it to me straight, so I, I got to appreciate that. Now, Darryl, it, let me let me go ahead and hit you with this, too, now. Okay, Remember, please, please it's spring. It's I just looked at spring football, too. Okay. And any coach will tell you that anybody, any and everybody loves their team during the spring. Any and everybody loves their team during pre-season uh, football camp. Heck, when I played at Southern University with Coach Pete Richardson, he said the same thing. Yeah, they're going to love you or whatever and stuff until you got to start playing those games. It becomes a different story. So that's why I have to look at that type of approach now, as well. I appreciate that. I appreciate it. Look, look, I was going to try to I was going to try to get you to give me some fake optimism, you know, but I want the real. And the real is that this this unit needs to get help and i will bring you along not gonna be the last time that you see mo carter because he is the man with all of the info alabama a&m and i greatly appreciate you coming on this show hey darren always appreciate you man and also appreciate what you're doing for hbcus through the lockdown uh podcast ne network as well you know and i'm not just saying that from a guy that's like covering hbcus here in huntsville but also i'm saying that as like an hbcu fan and also an hbcu grad like yourself as well Thank you, and I appreciate you for doing the same down there in Huntsville. Till the next time, my guy. Yes, sir. <laughs> I wanted some optimism. I did. But at the same time, I got to appreciate, I got to respect the fact that Mo said, nah, we, we just going to keep it real. This defense was not good last year. There's a lot of moving parts. I can't guarantee that they're going to be good this year. I got to respect the honesty. That's what we're delivering here on Locked on HBCU, whether it's Mo or it's myself. 
I'm gonna give you honesty. That's why you have to make us your first listen of the day every day. And tomorrow's episode, we're gonna be talking about Prairie View AM winning the outdoor tournament. I mean, out outdoor championship in track. That is a big deal. And then also for your second listen of the day after us, make sure that you're checking out some of our other conference shows, whether that's Locked On ACC with friend of the show, Candace Cooper, or that's Locked On SEC, Locked On Big 12, Locked On Pac-12. Make sure that you give them a listen and get yourself educated on some of these Power 5 schools as well. Now, in the meantime, in between time, if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Until the next time that we hear each other, family, take care, stay blessed. Peace.